Welcome to the Generational Clash Pod. Helping bridge the generational gap everywhere. Yo, before we get started, I want to circle back to last week's episode when we were doing our old school versus new school hip-hop debate. I feel like there were some listeners out there that missed the mark. I know we missed the whole middle era, and even the beginning for that matter. We were firmly concentrating on my era, high school me to be exact, and the new school. We're talking about the music that's coming out today. Mad Trap Beats, Hello Auto-Tune. Only reason I'm bringing this up again, because we had a few people out there that started writing in, started talking about how we forgot this guy and that guy, and this guy is one of the greats. First off, I don't use the word great loosely. Four of them guys I mentioned are on my Mount Rushmore. Keyword being mine. We are all entitled to our own opinion, but when when talking Mount Rushmore, you only get four. And my four just happen to be Jay-Z, Biggie, Pac, and Nas. So before you start writing about Danny Brown, Meek Mills, Tyler the Creator, ASAP Rocky, all guys that I'm, that I'm a fan of, think of all the guys that I had to leave off the list. Guys that I believe are higher in the pecking order than Danny Brown and Meek Mills and etc. Guys like Rakim, Pun, Kendrick, J. Cole, Jada, Nipsey, KRS-One, Guru, and Cool G Rap. All these guys can be worthy of anybody's Mount Rushmore. They're just not on mine. Okay, now that that's out there, changing the topic to sports. With UFC 251 behind us, and not for nothing, Dad, I think my ladies ruled the night. Amanda was flat out dominant, winning by submission over Paige Van Zandt in little over two minutes of the first round. As she continues to impress, I believe there's big things to come for her. And what can I say about Thug, Rose, Nama Yunez, and Jessica Andrade? Both women are beasts. Thug Rose edged Andrade out in her first fight back since losing the title to Jessica back in May 2019. It's definitely good for the UFC and, and for their fans for that matter to have Rose back. And you gotta believe this fight puts her in front of the line for a title shot. But all in all, I enjoy 251 as a whole, man. I know we didn't get that dry, dramatic ending that we wanted in the main event, but I thought Jorge looked looked good, at least as good as someone can look with six days' notice. I gave him the first round. I think he shocked Usman with his takedown defense, at least early on. But what, but what do you expect out of someone who trains with Penn State's own Bo Nichols? But we got to give credit to Usman. He made his adjustments. He started riding Jorge up against the cage, zapping away his explosiveness, taking away his high-level striking ability. And in the co-main event, I believe the judges got it wrong. Again, I had Max winning 3-2 in a close fight. But uh, there's not enough that can be said about Peter Yan. This dude is just a flat-out killer. And UFC 251 isn't the only thing in our rear view. The million-dollar winner-take-all single-game elimination, the basketball tournament, also known as the TBT, crowned its champion on July 14th. And it just happened to be last year's runner-up, the Golden Eagles of Marquette alumni. They took down the upstart sideline cancer in a hard-fought battle that saw the Golden Eagles win 78-73. Led by tournament MVP, Darius Johnson Odom. I loved everything about the TBT this year. 
I think I even enjoyed it more this year than in years past. Without the NCAA tournament this year, it was able to fill a void just a tad bit. I mean, nothing is comparable to the NCAA tournament, but the whole single game elimination factor, the whole upset factor, we had a 16 beat a 1. We had a 22 beat a 2. I mean, the storylines. At one point in the tournament, we had a guy named Ott Elmore that looks like my 5th grade PE teacher guarding a 7-time NBA All-Star and future Hall of Famer Joe Johnson. It was just absolutely enjoyable. Not to mention, it gives us hope that this bubble in Orlando may actually work. But now let's talk about one of our guilty pleasures and something I've been watching since I was a little girl, the WWE. And it is back this Sunday with Extreme Rules, the horror show. And I believe the woman's evolution has been carrying the torch in the WWE for quite some time now. And that's why I'm so pumped up for Ashka versus Sasha Banks, the boss. Ashka was given the belt. She didn't earn it. It was basically given to her when Becky had to step down. So I hope Sasha gets put over on Sunday. She's already one half of the women's tag team champions with Bailey, who just happens to be the women's SmackDown champion. And if Sasha gets put over on Sunday and beats Ashka for the Ross women's title, we can get a whole angle where we can put champion versus champion, partner versus partner. Now just think of this for a minute. We already had Becky two belts. We have barely dough straps. But now I hope Henry Cejudo doesn't get mad at me for this one. But we can have our first ever woman triple C. Well, there's a couple matches I'm looking forward to. First off, Apollo Crews versus MVP. I think MVP has been killing it these last few weeks. He's parading around with a new United States title, even though Apollo's the true champion at the moment. I say at the moment because I think on Sunday, the self-proclaimed greatest United States champion of all time reclaims the title he already owned on two previous occasions. The other match is the Harvard Show, the Wyatt Family Swamp Fight. It's going to be one of those cinematic matches that I absolutely love. Taker and AJ was great. The Firefly Funhouse, even better. The Money in the Bank ladder match took things to new heights, literally. The match started on the ground floor of WWE headquarters and ended on the roof. So I'm envisioning gators, snakes, and who knows what else, man. I just can't wait. And we can't forget about my guy Dolph, who is getting a title shot against Drew McIntyre. I mean, it's probably gonna end bad for him, resulting in a Claymore kick to the face because for some reason, the WWE keeps using my guy as a gatekeeper instead of giving the push that he truly deserves. But hey... Maybe the WWE will shock me and Dolph will walk away with that gold trap on Sunday. But this is that time of the show where we normally veer off a bit, but in honor of the WWE Women's Evolution, we're going to stay right here and give you our top five greatest women's wrestlers of all time. And Dad, I'm going to let you lead it off. Coming in at number five, I have 150 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. She won the title at MSG on MTV's Brawl to end it all. She was only 22 years old at the time. She appeared in Cyndi Lauper's She Bop video, and she was an animated character in a cartoon that I watched every Saturday, Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. At number five, I got Wendy Richter. Now that brings me to number four. At number four, I have the former hardcore champion, seven-time WWE women's champion, 
and former Diva of the Decade and 2013 Hall of Fame inductee, Trish Stratus. Coming in at number three, I have the ninth wonder of the world, the only female member of the DX, the only woman to participate in the Royal Rumble and King of the Ring, as well as the only female intercontinental champion, China. At number two, I got the queen, a record 12-time women's champion and 2020 winner of the Women's Royal Rumble, Charlotte Flair. Now it's time for Uno, Miss Number One, the number one woman, or should I simply say, the man. Wrestling, great. Promos, great. At number one, I got Becky Two Belts, also known as Becky Lynch. Okay, so I'm going to do things a little different and start off with my number one. My number one is someone who I don't think anyone would have expected, but in my eyes, she has had such an influence on the women's division. I mean, I have her poster hanging in my room. It is the Black Widow herself, AJ Lee. And here's why. Not only did she have great in-ring talent, she was great on the mic as well. She had an iconic pipe bomb where she basically dragged the cast of the Total Divas. AJ Lee carried that Divas division on her back. She was, in my opinion, the start of the whole Divas revolution and was the Divas champ for a consecutive 295 days. She is the GOAT in my eyes and like she said, no one will ever be able to lace up her Chuck Taylors. For my number two, I'm gonna have to put in Charlotte Flair. As of now, she is chasing down her father's record of 16-time world championship title reign, as she now has a total of 12 WWE championship reigns. I don't think anyone can perform as good as Charlotte on the main event level. Her in-ring work is one of the highest level. As of my number three, of course, I'm gonna have to go with the man, Becky Lynch. I mean, 399 days. What more can I say? She has left her print on the women's division. For my number four, I'm gonna go with China. I mean, she was such a strong woman. She proved that she could compete against anyone, including the men. Like you said, she was the first woman to enter the Royal Rumble, where she actually eliminated the monster of a man that is Mark Henry, which just showed you how strong she was. And also, like you said, the first to win a male championship, the Intercontinental title. That is a historical feat and it's gonna be something that will be remembered. She was just such an icon in the Attitude Era, which brings me to my number five. Another leader in the Attitude Era, the Queen of Extreme, four-time WWE Women's Champ and 2014 Hall of Fame inductee, the lovely Lita. You have AJ Lee as your number one? Yeah, why? I just think that's very high for her. Says the guy who has Wendy Richter in his top five. There you have it, people. I guess that's where generations clash. Be safe, everyone. Don't forget to wash your hands, social distance, and sanitize. And in the words of Diggable Planets, we out, we out, we out.